Do you know what I learned this past week as I studied in preparation for today? I learned that if you are average, okay, just an average person, an average person, some a little bit less, some a little bit more, if you are the average person, you spend one-fifth of your time, 20% of your time, you spend one-fifth of your time exercising your superpower. A fifth of your time of your life exercising your superpower. You know what your superpower is? Your superpower is your speech. The use of your tongue. For good or for ill, as we'll see, your superpower is your speech, is your talking. You know, it's just an amazing amount of time that we spend uh, speaking. And I'm talking here about including texting and, you know, FaceTime, all that sort of, emailing, all that sort of. But your words are your superpower. It's quite an amazing thing. Because if you are the average person, just average, okay, some more, some less. If you're the average person, if all the words that you speak in a day would be a a, a 50-page book in one day. One day, 50-page book. Now, the math doesn't quite add up, so it must be that some words are more used on, like, I talk a lot less on vacation than I do when I'm working. For some of you, you probably talk more when you're on vacation than when you're working. Probably the opposite to me. But if you're the average person, in a year, you speak 132 of these. 132 books in a year if you're an average person. Now, some of you are saying, no, 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 you don't know my husband. He's, he's like, like this. <laughs> if I could get that sucker to say what he's thinking and feeling, I'd be a lot better off. So some of you, and some of others are like, are you kidding? I do 132 of those babies a year. I got lots to say. People need to know my wisdom. So we, we kind of we have this, but, but we all know that we, we speak a lot of words, don't we? Some less, some more, but we speak a lot of words. And those are our superpowers. Sorry, Sheen. <laughs> Why do I say that our superpower? Well, we've known this from, from ancient times because the book of Proverbs, you know, this, this book of wisdom in the Old Testament, it tells us this, that in Proverbs 18.21, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Proverbs 18.21. The tongue, your speech, has the power of life and of death. Well, what does that mean? How does that, how does that work it out? Well, think about the power of words in your life. Think about it when you've been sort of on, on, the, on the receiving end or, or, or maybe even speaking them. Uh, words have the power to encourage you, don't they? I mean, when somebody that you, you're doing something and you may be a little bit discouraged and you want to give up and you don't think it makes a difference, somebody could come into your life and say, you know what, I know this is tough, but here's the difference that you're making. It can encourage us. It can, it can move us on. It can make us feel better about things. Sometimes words can challenge us and bring about change in our life through challenge. I've told you this before. The reason we're in Canada is because I'm not very bright. And so in England, you write this exam when you're 11 years old and, and it determines which school you go to. You can either go to grammar school, which leads to university and all that sort of thing, or you go to secondary modern school. I failed the exam. I didn't even make the top cuts of, of the dumb school. So my mom said, not a chance we're going to Canada. I don't know if she thought Canadians weren't as bright as British people or what the theory was. Whatever the case it was. But we ended up in Canada. And I can remember my first summer, we arrived in, in, in July. And um, down, we stayed in Sunday for a while. And, and, and we went to Red Deer to visit some people. My 
uncle's sister. I, don't, I would never know my uncle's sister. I don't know her name. I don't remember anything about her, except I remember she had brown hair. And I remember sitting in the back of a vehicle as a 12-year-old kid, and this woman leans over into my car as I'm ready to leave and says, well, let's see how an English boy does in a Canadian school. Now, I don't know if she knew my story, but at first it was like, ooh, and then it was like, yeah, we will see how an English boy <laughs> Because that's the best way to get me going is to, so, go to fight? Okay, I'm going to fight. And, and so that, that changed. Honestly, I, I remember those words. I don't know why. I mean, she's nothing to me. She's not even blood. But somehow these words, okay, I'm going to show you. Encourage me to begin to do some effort. Just, just a few little words. Some words changed the direction of your life, didn't they? Yes, I'll take that job and move across the country. Do you take? Yes, I do. Some words have been damaging to you, haven't they? I mean, we, we see the, the devastation of online bullying and, and suicides and anxiety and depression and stuff amongst, amongst young people. Words are powerful. They're superpower. And for some, it's just weird, you know, but have you noticed how negative words carry more weight and have more power than positive words? Have you noticed that in your life? It's just kind of strange. I mean, Duke University released a thing that said that, that a negative word has four to seven times the effect or the power or the influence on our lives than positive words. Four to seven times, depending on what the word is and who we are and all this sort of thing. And I was trying to figure this out, so I read a little study, and it said, oh, the reason that, that those things have a, such a, a, a greater impact on you, these negative words, is that it increases your implicit processing. But how does it increase my implicit processing? It affects our subgenual anterior cingulate cortex. I have no idea what that is. Underneath something in the front of my brain. I don't know what that is, but what I do know is I said it, it, it's sort of these negative words release hormones that bring about stress and anxiety. And it can send that stress and anxiety off the charts. And when they did a study on, on, on negative words towards kids, it, it mastered this, this massive anxiety. And longitudinal studies say that it can cause anxiety that's not just in the moment when those words are being spoken to you or you're speaking them to somebody else, but it can build up and make long-lasting anxiety. You see, our words are our superpower. They have much more effect and influence than we think that they do. And somehow, sadly, the negative words have such, so much more power. Maybe that's why James, as he goes into this chapter, will talk more about, about negative words and handling negative words than he does about positive words. So let's take a look for a moment about this superpower. James, chapter 3, first couple of verses. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers. Because you know that, what, that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. We all mess up. We all sin. We all blow it every day. We, we, but anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect. Able to keep their whole body in check. I, I don't really like this verse very much. First of all, because I try and teach, 
And secondly, because we're always needing Sunday school teachers and youth leaders and stuff, so we don't want to discourage people. What, why, would, why would the Holy Spirit say this to us? Hey, let not many of you be teachers, because you need to understand that you're going to be judged more strictly. You see, what was going on a little bit is that, is that in the culture in which James lived, those who taught, um, they, were, they were held in very high esteem. And they uh, were looked upon as people who were leaders and they'd get followers and make a living off and all these things. And so there's a bit of a drive for this. And so what James is doing here is just saying, listen, you know, there's a bit of a conflict that's going on around here. But some of you are becoming teachers for the wrong reason. You're becoming teachers because you want to look good, because you want to have followers, because you want to make a name for yourself. And you need to understand that if you're going to be a teacher, you have an extra responsibility. God himself is going to take your words really quite seriously. Because you see, your words cannot just mess up your life and it cannot just mess up one person's life. If you're teaching, you can mess up an entire community. Heck, through your speech, you can mess up a whole nation. You can cause wars and devastation and division and poverty, and hatred, and, and all kinds of stuff. So if you're going to get there, and you're going to teach, you're going to lead, you're going to talk to a bunch of people, you better understand that I'm going to weigh your words very, very carefully, says God, because of the massive effect that you can have. You see, what teachers teach filters. It takes some time, but it filters down and goes throughout all of society. That's why the battle over speech that we sometimes see in universities and so on is so critical because, because it filters down. And all of a sudden, the words that we say begin to mean different things. When they mean different things, you can do different things. And so God says, listen, if you're, if you're a teacher, what you teach, you are going to affect more people than you think you are. The people that you don't even know. Generations that you may not even thought of. And it can spread down, filter down. He said, you see, we all sin. We all sin in all kinds of ways. But there's a problem with the sin of speech. The problem with the sin of speech is it's so easily done. I mean, if you're going to sin by robbing a bank, you've got to put some effort and work into that baby. You've got to do some planning, hopefully. If you're gonna... But you don't have to think about a word that damages. You don't have to think about slandering somebody, gossiping, lying. You don't have to plan, you don't have to prepare, it can, it can just come right out. You don't have to save money or spend money to, to sin with your speech like sometimes you would have to do. And it doesn't seem very important sometimes. I mean, if you're going to rob a bank or hire a prostitute or do, you know, <laughs> whatever, commit fraud or whatever the thing is, it, it's a big deal. You've got you to make a big decision. And you know, man, there's going to be consequences to what I'm going to do here. But somehow, we kind of think that our speech isn't that big of a deal. It's not going to make such a big difference. And I can just be kind of flippant with my speech and just let it trip off my tongue. And... The worst of it is, is that even if we are conscious of those things, the tongue is hard to control. It's hard to tame. And so he says, listen, if you're, if you're in a position of teaching, 
And most of us are in some place. I mean, if you're a journeyman, you've got an apprentice you're working on, maybe you're a school teacher, maybe you're a parent, maybe you've got a job that teaches, I don't know, maybe it's your neighbor, you're going to teach them how to do something. We all have some way in which we, we teach somebody, and it says you're more susceptible. Because you see, it's easy to sin this way. And it's a superpower. It's a superpower. It has more influence than you think. And then as James writes this, he thinks, but you know what? I mean, this is true for those that, that, are, that, that know that they're teaching and so on. But he goes on and says, but the truth is, this danger is for all of us. You see, all of us, all of the time, can choose to use our superpower for good or for evil. For good or for evil. That's what he says. Pick it up in verse 3. That's still verse 1 and 2. <laughs> Keep going, one more. There we go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body, and it corrupts the whole body. It sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and it itself is set on fire by all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, sea creatures are being tamed and have been taught and been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil. And it's full of deadly poison. It's full of deadly poison. Yes, he starts off. We must have missed something, I think, in there. It starts off by talking about the good that speech can do. It talks about how, you know, what we can do is we can take a horse and by, you know, consider what a, a large animal is steered by a bit in a horse's mouth. Or consider a large ship that even though the, the, the wind is raging and it's going, even though that that's happening, a small rudder can, can shift this great big ship. And what I really, I don't think I'd ever really noticed it before, but these two examples that he says are good examples. They're good to say, listen, even though the tongue is dangerous and even though your speech is, is something to watch out for, don't give up on speaking, don't give up on teaching because all kinds of good can happen. We've had horses tamed, they figured out for about 6,000 years. They tamed them in there like the Ukraine and Hungary and the steppes there. And some people say that it's the largest animal influence that there is on humankind because once we got a hold of horses, then all of a sudden, uh, the way, the speed at which we could travel changed, right? All of a sudden, the distances that we could get with ease began to change. You didn't have to, have to walk there. All of a sudden, it changed commerce and trade and you could haul more things and so on and warfare changed and nations coming and all kinds. Everything changed when, we, when the horse got domesticated. And the same thing for ships. When we figured out how to sail ships, all of a sudden, we could move massive armies and we could move massive amounts of goods. And he's saying, listen, the tongue, it's this little thing, but it can do a lot of good. It can make a big change. It can be used to benefit all of humankind. Your tongue can even be used for good in the middle of a storm. You see what it says there about the, the heavy winds are blowing and a rudder can steer a ship. What it's saying is that, listen, if you're going through a storm, 
And somebody can come into your life and can speak words of encouragement, can speak words of guidance, can speak words of education, can speak words of training to get you through the storm. And so he said, don't, don't give up on the tongue. It's, it's your superpower. Just make sure and understand that you want to use your speech. You want to use your words. You want to use your tongue for good and not evil. And then he kind of spends the rest of the time because those, those negative words seem to be so much more powerful in people's lives and parsibles. He spends the rest of the time talking or writing to us about the danger of using our superpower for evil. He said, you know, a little spark can set a whole forest on fire. A little spark can cause a fire that can destroy an entire town. A little spark can cause a fire that will affect people hundreds, maybe even thousands of kilometers away. When we have these fires around in the summer, and we, and we know that, right? We, well, there's a fire somewhere, and sometimes we find out, man, it's, it's hundreds of kilometers away. It would take us hours to get to that fire, but it affects our breathing. It affects our life. You see, what he could have done is he could have said, you know, the tongue is like an axe that can cut down a tree. Just struck one thing. But he doesn't. He said, no, no, no. What we need to understand about our speech is that, is that it, it just, it, it's not just the person that we're speaking to that it affects. It's like this fire. Our speech has an exponential effect, not a direct effect. It's like a fire, not like an axe. But why is that? Well, for one thing, the destruction of a fire is complete, isn't it? And he goes on and says, listen, you need to understand that, that your speech, your tongue, can corrupt your whole body. What in the world does he mean by that? How does it corrupt my whole body? Well, I'll tell you how. How often has your tongue got you into trouble where your whole body has to follow through into a place that you didn't want to be? We can make promises. We can say words that, that wreck our whole life and all of our relationships and we have to, we have to reverse, we can get divorced and all these different things. He said, you see, the thing about our tongue is that it can absolutely destroy ourselves. It can wreck our entire life, and it can potentially wreck the life completely of other people. The second thing about a fire is that, is that it spreads so quickly and so easily. And so does gossip. And so do words of conflict. It's so easy for us to get into words of conflict. And before we know it, uh, maybe we didn't even mean it, but all the people that love us and care for us, they join us in our fight and they join us in our side and they're offended on our behalf. And, and all of a sudden, this, this disagreement that just two of us may have, all of a sudden, a church is split. Because you see, it spreads. Our speech spreads. Our speech spreads. We can only be in one place at one time, in one era of time. But our words can be everywhere all at once and last for generations. It spreads. The third thing he says, listen, the, the tongue is, is multifaceted in the harm that it brings. It's a world of evil. In other words, it can damage people in all kinds of different ways. Our bodies are restricted. We can only do so much damage to somebody according to my strength and my energy. But boy, my words... It can do all kinds of damage to all kinds of people in all kinds of ways. He said, our tongue, is, our speech is like a fire because we can't tame the tongue. 
It gets out of control. And it's bigger than us, and it gets away from us, and we, man, <laughs> you can cut thousands of man hours just trying to put out a forest fire because it gets away on us. It's a restless evil. It can't stop. Our tongues, we just, we just have to say something. And so because it's this restless evil, our tongue, our speech, our superpower is something that needs constant guarding and correcting. Guarding and correcting. To use our speech for good and to not, and not evil. To use your superpower for good and not evil. But to get it done because of this whole restlessness and because of the power of it, we, we're going to talk about our speech. We've got to go deeper than our words. Jesus tells us that, doesn't he? He says, listen, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings up evil things out of the evil stored in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. If we're going to deal with our speech and ensure that we use this superpower for good and not for evil, we've, we've got to deal with our hearts. Because here's what we've got to do. This is how I put it. If you check your tongue, you check your heart. Right? What my speech, my heart says. And if I change my heart, then my speech will change. Check your tongue, check your heart. Change your heart, change your tongue. This is kind of what he, what he says, starting here in verse 9. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh waters. Check your tongue. Because when you check your tongue in your speech, you're actually checking your heart. It's actually going to tell you what's going on in the deepest part of your being. These, these words that he writes in verses 9 through 12 are actually a lot heavier than I first took them as. Because what he does is he goes back to verse 2 and he says, hey, just remember that we're talking about God's judgment on your life, Alan. And that's heavy enough. But what he actually says here in verses 9 through 12 is your speech will determine whether or not you are a true follower of Jesus or not. Because the fruit that comes out from you, that shows who you really are. Who you really are in your heart. That's a, that's a heavy thought for me. That's a heavy thought. Our speech diagnoses our hearts. Our speech tells us who we really belong to. Because it tells us what our heart is. Where who bones our heart. So if I'm speaking words of slander instead of words of love, what's governing my heart? If all of my words are words of negativity instead of words of the hope that God gives us, who's governing my heart? If all of my words are angry instead of patient, what fruit is that 
The fruit of the Spirit. If all my words are words of despair instead of victory in Christ, who's running my heart? Whose disciple am I truly? If I'm dismissive of people and I treat people with contempt instead of valuing them because they are created in the image of God, who's governing my heart? To whom does my heart really belong? The words we speak, James tells us, tell us what's going on in our hearts. Matt Chandler had an interesting way of putting this. He said this in in the sermon I listened to him that he did. He said, listen, our words are driven by our hearts. And our hearts are driven by our identity. Who we believe we are. Who we actually are. Is my identity truly in Christ? Do the words that I speak indicate that I, that I truly belong to Christ? That I am in Christ and the fruit of the Spirit is evidenced in my, in my speech with words of love and joy and peace and kindness and gentleness and long-suffering Because they will reveal my identity. And when my identity is truly in Christ and the Holy Spirit has changed my heart, that shows in my speech the character of Christ comes out in our speech. But what's really interesting about this is too, is that the way in which you receive words from other people, that will indicate who you belong to as well. Because if somebody comes to you and says some very, very nasty stuff which normally would destroy you, which normally would tear you down, which normally would cause you to, 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 to be afraid or whatever the case may be, but you are solid in your identity as a follower of Jesus Christ, as a child of the living God, as a daughter of the King of the universe, as the son of the sovereign majesty, then how can those words destroy me as they normally would? You see, our identity governs our heart. And our heart governs speech, what we say, and what we receive. But the danger, of course, is that God says, but listen, then the problem is, the problem is that you can't change your tongue because you can't change your heart. And yet we need to change our heart so that our tongue reveals that change. We need Jesus. We need Jesus to change our hearts. We need Jesus to transform us into beings who live like him, whose heart belongs to him so that the words that come out of my mouth to my spouse, to my friends, to my neighbors, to my workmates, God help us to our children, are words that reflect Jesus and our identity in Jesus. And so, when I find a destructive word, an evil word coming out of my mouth, and I see it written in the eyes and in the face of the person to whom I'm speaking, maybe I did it on purpose, maybe it just kind of slipped out because I got ticked off and it, There's some things I need to do. 
I need to manage my superpower by doing a Michael Jackson. There's five things. I think as I, as I try to process this, there's five things. When I, when I mess up and that, boom, slips out. Because the tongue is full of deadly poison and who can tame it? And it's wild and it keeps on going. Again, first of all, I can recognize that this is probably a bigger deal than I think. It'd be easy for me, you know, after I've had a conversation to go back to my office or getting my vehicle and drive home or whatever and think, ah, I shouldn't have said that. Ah, well, no big deal. They'll forget it. Uh, maybe they will. Maybe they won't. And I need to understand that, the, that these, the, these things, God says, they are a bigger, a bigger deal than I suspect. Because when I speak these words, you know, it, it changes so many different things. It changes me. If I'm consistently speaking angry words, I'm going to be an angry man. My body will follow that. If I'm consistently speaking a critical word, I'll become a critical man. Because you see, what the name tells us is that, listen, those words that you speak, which maybe this, this, this anger that you have is just a little seed. Maybe the cynicism that you have is just a little seed. Maybe this unforgiveness that you have is just a little seed. But if you speak those words, you will become that. And that seed will germinate and sprout and begin to define who you are. So even if the person that I said it to just said, oh, it's just Georgie's, you know, had too much coffee, whatever, I still need to take it seriously and corrupt it because it's corrupting me. And it may just harm others more than we think. We don't know. So first of all, I need to realize this is, this is a bigger deal than the average person and me, for sure, takes it. It's serious stuff because those words really truly say who I belong to. Two, I need to confess. I need to confess to God, but I need to confess to the person that I spoke those words to. And not only do I need to confess and apologize, I need to do whatever I can to make it right. Because sometimes, truthfully, just saying I'm sorry is not enough. We've got to do whatever we can to correct the wrong that was done. To put an end to the consequences of where those, where those words go. If I slander somebody to you, then I need to say, Duff, you know, I said this about, about this person, and um, I shouldn't have said that. Did, did you happen to mention it to anybody else or, or whatever? I, I need to cut that sucker off. Because it's going to spread like fire. And I need to get that while it's a little campfire before it's a forest fire and it's out of control and nobody can stop it. And all of a sudden, people that don't even know me but know that other person think that about that person. They don't even know the source that it was me, that I was just kind of ticked off that day. I need to confess and I need to do what I can to make it right. Third, I need to ask the Holy Spirit to diagnose my heart. I need to say, man, where, where in the world did that come from? Did I say that because I'm afraid? Am I afraid that this person's going to do something to me or my reputation or, or something that's bigger than Jesus? And, uh, what's, why would I, am I afraid? Why would I say that? Am I jealous? Why do I have to one-up somebody? 
well, I've got this school, I've got, I've got this school, I've got this much money, I've got this much money. Why, why, why do I do that? Why can't I just celebrate with that person? Even if, you know, oh yeah, well, maybe so, but I got this. Why do I need to say that? Why can't I just rejoice in this person? What, what's going on in my heart, Lord? Am I, am I jealous? Am I founding my identity in, in something? And if somebody's better than me at that, then somehow that crushes my identity. What, what in the world is going on? Holy Spirit. Why did I say that? What's going on in my heart? Number three, four, I mean, I need to ask the Holy Spirit to transform me. I need to say, Holy Spirit, obviously this is, there's something going on in my heart. There's this little corner of my heart that's full of jealousy or full of fear or anxiety or I don't know what, something's going on, but I, I need you to transform that portion of my heart. Looks to me like I gave you 80% of my heart, but I've got this other 20% that my speech says, hey, Jones, you've got a deal here. I need to bring that before the Lord. Say, Holy Spirit, this part of my life, this part of my heart, obviously is not under the Lordship of Jesus. So I need you to transform because I can't do it. No human can tame the tongue because we can't change our heart. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to bring about that transformation. And fifth, I need to determine to ride a horse and steer a ship instead of lighting a fire. I want to use my speech for good. I want to use my speech so that when I speak to somebody, it helps them run faster. It helps them go further. It helps them have the joy of the wind in their face, the speed and excitement. I want to, I want to ride a horse. I want to, I want to use my tongue to, be, to steer a ship when somebody is, is going through the storm and the winds are heavy and hard and they're not sure that they're going on. I want to be able to come in and say, it's okay, you know, we can get through this storm. I want to use my speech to be that rudder that steers them through when they feel like they're going to sink because the storm's so strong. I want to, I want to ride a horse and steer a ship and not light a fire. Because you see, a good word is never, it's never wasted. It's never wasted. I remember this guy by name, I know, but his name is Don Cameron. He was a big business guy. He ran all the Mac stores and then he was the CEO of where do you take your taxes? The name's gone from my brain. H and R Block. Yeah, he was the boss H and R Block. I remember him speaking one time, and he said, "You know, he said I've done lots of things, led lots of people." He said, "And what I've discovered, the most important thing, if you're going to be in business, if you're going to rise, if you're going to be in leadership, the, the most important thing to remember is this: is that there are two kinds of people. There are two kinds of people in the world that need encouragement. That we need a good word spoken to them." They need just a, a lift. They're just, they're just two kinds of people, and you need to go to watch out for these two kinds of people because they really need you to encourage them. And the two kinds of people are men and women. It's never wasted. The truth is, you know what? What did we learn? We learned this, that if, if I speak a word of encouragement and the person I speak it to, for whatever reason, blows it off, 
it's going to do me good. It's going to affect my heart. It's going to continue my transformation into somebody who lives by the fruit of the Spirit because my heart is changed. So my invitation to you this week is to do a one-handed Michael Jackson. It's a big deal. Confess it. Diagnose it. Transform it. Be a horse or a ship. Almighty God, you have given us speech. And, and it, you know, Lord, it is amazing. It is amazing. Because you're a God who speaks. A God who speaks to us. And, and part, of our, part of our image bearing is that we can, we can use language. And we see very early on, we learned how to use language for evil. We tried to build the Tower of Babel. And so you said, no, no, you're not using speech for evil. And so right through scripture, we see the power of speech. And it's so easy for it to be used for evil. And terrible consequences. Lord, there's probably folks here, you know, as we were talking, and we are talking about words that have been spoken to us, and they recognize in their hearts the damage that's been done to them. Maybe even as a little kid, a damage that's been done to them through words. And it's, it's captured them and shaped them, us, me, whatever. And we need to be healed from that. So I just ask Holy Spirit, just in this minute here, that that as we've talked, if there's some words that are echoing in our minds that have told us stuff about us that, that just aren't true in your eyes. And we just ask for a touch of healing. Hmm. Lord, break those chains. Show the lie of the identity that some of us have taken upon ourselves because of words spoken to us. Words spoken by others that somehow become our words to and about ourselves that, that crush us and destroy and limit and set fire to our life in a bad way. And Lord, you've given us this superpower that we spend a fifth of our time doing. That's a lot of words. It's a lot of influence. It's a lot of formation of ourselves and other people. And families and streets and businesses and countries. Lord, we can't tame our tongue. And I don't know how many times a week I, ah, why did I say that? Why did I say it that way? Why did I say it at that time? And we ask you, Holy Spirit, to transform our hearts. We ask you to give us the courage to allow you to 
point out to us our speech and the diagnosis of our heart that comes with that so that we can turn that over to you so that we can be healed or so that we can be healers. Lord, I pray when we go from this place that, that we don't forget this powerful lesson in your word about, about speech. It's easy for me, I guess because I talk so much, it's easy for me to take it less seriously than I should. So easy. So I ask that even for this week, even for this week, maybe we can put these five things into practice. For the sake of your glory, for the sake of our hearts, for the sake of those people who surround us, we pray through Christ. Amen.